Agent's dog goes for the jugular in this episode. Every dirty trick up her sleeve gets played, and the fallout will be catastrophic. Hi, and welcome to Belated Binge Sons of Anarchy, the Rebinge podcast that doesn't take itself or the show too seriously. I'm Zach. I'm your host, revisiting some of the most iconic series in recent memory that I nearly missed out on, like Sons of Anarchy, which got popular when I was in college, and I didn't watch until like six years after I got my degrees. And today, we continue our binge of season one with episode 11, Capybara. Capybara? Capy... Cap- I, maybe I said that right at some point. Let's just, let's just do it. The Belated Binge Podcast. Before we get into it, there will be spoilers. Obviously. There will also be adult language and situations. Earmuff the children. Shout out to Katie holding it down for the bonus binge squad. More on Patreon later in the episode. As usual, with Sons of Anarchy, I'm going to try to kick this thing off as if it were a romantic comedy. (gasps) True love is sticking by your husband, even if he's accused of murder. It's turning down witness protection because you trust him wholeheartedly. It's calling your mother-in-law, that hates everyone, to take care of your kids, because they're the most important thing, and it's being ride or die. Let's jump in to episode 11 from season 1. We open up on Jack's speed reading, like a cartoon character, somehow, seriously. I don't, how how does this mindless flipping of pages accomplish literally anything? anything and dramatic music which is always fun clay learns how otto got luann out of jail and how he got very much not out of jail himself for reference or reminder he shattered stall's face do you remember how excited i was when i got to watch Stall get her face shattered? Well, that's about as excited as the rest of the club is, and they're absolutely celebrating this victory of Stall's face being smashed, just smashed repeatedly into a table. And it's joy. Just joy. And they think they're, you know, good to go, as Clay would say, in the clear of ATF, and now SWAT is busting down the door. So I guess Clay was slightly mistaken in his assessment of the situation. Chalk this one up to his uncanny leadership acumen. Or maybe just good writing for the surprise pow in the door. They arrest Bobby for murder. Of course, there's also the screaming at each other and the and the brute force and kicking of people and the abuse of power and the and the outlaw stuff and there all of that is in there as well. So things apparently have cleared out because now Clay is at the table and he's letting everybody know that there's an eyewitness to the Hefner murder, which we know we saw that 
eyewitness with our own two eyes. We were witnesses of the witness back in that episode. Obviously, Jax did not see the witness poke her head through the curtain because he was at like ground level or whatever and presumably running the hell away because they just murdered someone. And now we're planting the seed for Opie being the witness. Tig, of course it's Tig, immediately pipes up at Jax and they're, you know, pushing and shoving and doing all the chest out macho stuff and as much as i can't stand tig particularly in this moment this actually feels like real life ish the camaraderie the glorified brotherhood that's all well and good and we love that that's the thing that we all deep down wish that we had and that's why we watch this show and others like it we want to feel that in our lives but that's not real life real life is messy human emotions and reactions and situations and with all the hyper masculine and short-tempered group you know that we're in here with these dudes there's gonna be scuffles there's gonna be arguments they're gonna have dick measuring contests and they're gonna be petty and clicky and all that shit's gonna be a part of this whole experience and again from the little bit of uh, information that I've absorbed through media that in the real world that this is set in it's full of dudes with trust issues giant egos and short tempers don't get me wrong there's brotherhood definitely brotherhood but brothers might fight more than anyone. And Piney is not having any of this Opie slander shit either. And credits magic tattoos. Those are cool. Jax doesn't find Opie and Donna at the house. And we've got the old school key under the mat moment, which I know people might make fun of but like when I was growing up this was a thing I knew what houses I could go to of people that I knew and there would be a key literally under the mat Uh, another place is above the um, the door frame up there you know might have one up there Uh, some might have like a rock in the flower bed i'm not trying to tell you how to break into people's houses but like this these were places that i knew of stashed keys in case you need of entry um probably not a coincidence that there was a lot of drinking in my childhood and i'm fairly certain that these keys were mostly there in case they you know got drunk and lost their own could have been a thing don't really know conveniently uh, Jax sees the moving boxes in the house from, remember, back when Donna and Opie were having their thing and she was packing up all the, her and the kids' stuff, and it's like, I'm out of here, stuff. Uh, and he finds Agent Stahl's card just laying on the counter. And I'm sorry, that shit's not gonna fly here on this podcast. Let me tell you why. Opie, of all people, is not leaving that laying around his house. He's not. It's not happening. He may be going through it with Donna. He may be stressed. 
might have marital issues, monetary issues, all of those issues and whatnot. But an outlaw biker who just got out of prison is not, not leaving a federal agent's business card lying on the counter. One, he's going to be pissed that she even came and throw it away. And two, he knows the no snitching rule. Intimately, he's not taking the chance that anyone from the club might accidentally stumble onto it for any reason. Again, the little the little bit that I've learned through other sources of media in the real deal clubs, not the ones who claim to be the real deal on the internet or TV, their no snitching rules are intense. So this whole thing just doesn't pass the smell test. And if you're going to tell me that he didn't know it was there because Donna was the one who got it. It took Jax all of about four seconds in the same room that we last saw Opie in. Plain as day. Opie lives here in this house. I know they don't really eat and do real life shit on these shows very often, but he's a man in his own house. He's got to eat a sandwich or grab a drink from the fridge or a snack for his kids or something in that kitchen area and would see this thing just lying in plain sight. And if you want to say, but Obi isn't a rat, so he wouldn't use it anyways and didn't think that it would matter, I would say his wife is leaving him and just told him she was approached by the ATF as a one percenter, Opie would be making for damn certain that she couldn't rat either. Whatever. I'm going way too long on this, but it's maximum level plot convenience playing out in front of our eyes. Now, Jax goes to the next logical place. The police station. And Unser's in jail. <laughs> Thanks, Stahl. Uh, that was fun. And Wendy's home. Great. That should... That should... Help. I, I think I hate her slightly less this time than I'm watching the show. Maybe. It's day-to-day. It's -day. Uh, Gemma changed the locks on her, but she gets in anyways because, well, you know, plot needs her to be there. Uh, Gemma's not there. She's at the hospital talking to Tara about Abel. And she thinks she's going to be mom. Really? That's That's Gemma's... That's Gemma's read on the situation. She's going to be mom to this baby at whatever age she is. 50, what'd she say? 51, maybe? Yeah, I think she said she was 51 back when she was talking to Luann about feminine, um, <laughs> is it, is it insensitive for me to say dry spell? I should probably just move on. Um, Tara doesn't think Jax is ready to be a dad, and she's absolutely right about that. Sorry, he's not. Uh, I think he even says so earlier in this season. Gemma's super, just super fucking nosy again, and she's a, a bitch and overstepping again. And she's gone from, I can handle taking care of Abel, to, I don't mind it for a while, but I just want to be a grandma in, in one scene in conversation in one little piece of dialogue so she's kind of all over the place and now we're back at, with Jax 
who's interviewing the neighbor who conveniently saw Opie and the family picked up by ATF and conveniently noticed that he wasn't in handcuffs. This lady says the headlights woke them up 2.30 in the morning and they wake up because some headlights at their across-the-street neighbor's house happen to be happen. Do, do they sleep with their faces pressed against the window facing Opie's driveway? They live in town. Like, there are lights. I'm sorry. I don't think you're waking up in the middle of the night because headlights. Plot convenience. That's what woke you up. Detective Juice is on the case. For Clay, though, unfortunately and brings Clay into the news that Opie has had some bills paid off. Apparently that happened overnight. Literally. Have you ever made a payment on anything that processed it immediately? <laughs> Stahl would have had to have this like all in the works before 2.30 that morning, or the transaction would still be, I don't know, in like pending status or something, wouldn't it? And how would this actually work? So a government agency pays off a couple of bills for him at 2.30 in the morning, and a small town credit union worker knows by lunch? I guess? Sure. I, I just need to know logistics. Uh, but that's not really the point of this scene. The real point is, here we go, Tig is convinced that Opie's a rat, and for once, Clay actually gets it right. Or... ATF wants us to think he's a rat. That was Clay's response. And he's never been more right in his life about anything. Anything. If only he kept that same energy, as the kids would say. Back at the hospital, Tara lets Wendy in to see Abel, which is kind of awkward, I guess. And Wendy wants to talk like girl talk uh, about Jax. Tara doesn't want Wendy to know that she's been fucking Jax. So it's awkward. Awkward. And now we've got a new character alert. Woohoo! Gemma has a visitor. Opie's mom, apparently. And instead of going to the Department of Justice in Stockton to pick up her grandkids as she was called to do, she instead drives to Charming, a place she doesn't live, 75 miles away to a place that isn't Stockton, and a place with the club that she hates to ask Gemma why. Because, say it with me, kids, plot convenience. And she's got the info that the whole family's there, but at least now Gemma can tell Jax you know, she's the queen of learning a nugget of information and five seconds later relaying it to Jax or Clay so that she can be the smart one. And Jax lets Clay and Tig know what he knows and he immediately thinks, set up. The ATF is setting up Opie, which was Clay's reaction. We just talked about that. But Tig continues to bang the drum for guilty before proven innocent. Jax asks the correct question in this moment. Why? Why would Opie flip 
what is the what's the benefit what's the game what's the like why why would this be something that would happen and tig has nothing no real retort but he's convinced convinced anyways and by the way this is this is a sidebar in my notes that i just want to take you all on for a minute this jacks look that's happening right now the long hair the backwards hat i'm a fan <laughs> i know his hair is like you know iconic from the show especially the slick back in the later seasons and all of that but this like early look with the hat i i wanted to be this dude growing up when i was a kid my hair was blonde and my vision of myself if you asked what do you want to be when you grow up was this fucking dude <laughs> on the television set right now long hair leather jacket backwards hat motorcycle brotherhood this was my fucking dream i may have told this story and i probably will again before it's all said and done but i remember being in like third grade and my teacher had called my parents and my mom had to like sit me down and have a talk Apparently, my teacher was concerned about a little story that I was writing. It was meant to be a book, but of course I was like, whatever, eight. So it was just a handful of pages on notebook paper. And I had my nerdy ass friend, Matthew. Don't ask me why I remember that. I've not spoken to Matthew since I was like eight. <laughs> but hopefully you're doing great, dude. Hopefully. Uh, but I had him draw some pictures for the book of the characters and the characters were obviously us and like our other friends like grown-up versions of us we were eight that's what you do you don't have you're not really thinking of character building at eight if you are you're a actual writer not a child who would grow up to then have a podcast nobody listens to anyways uh and the character that i asked him to draw for me was Jack's fucking teller, the, the hair, the jacket, the whole nine yards. This The the reason the teacher that was concerned, by the way, is because I titled the book The Gang. Uh, obviously, at that age, I didn't know shit about real-life gangs. Uh, I was a suburban um, Caucasian kid at that point in time. Well, the, the, the Caucasian part is permanent, but the suburb wasn't. Um, but in my mind, as an only child... A group of close-ass friends were, like, found family. Brothers. Brotherhood. Bikes. Bullets. Brotherhood. The gang. A third-grade Zach's Sons of Anarchy prequel fan fiction he didn't know he was writing. I guess. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, check out the uh, Sons of Anarchy sequel. Sequel. Not the prequel. Sequel fan fiction I did start writing much later than third grade, although probably similar quality uh, in use of English language, I don't know. Uh, hopefully it's a joy to listen to because I'm sharing it on Patreon a chapter at a time for the bonus binge squad. Check it out if you would please. There is a free trial available on Patreon um, at that level so you can get to the bonus content before the monthly fee ever kicks in if you just want to, you know, kick the tires and check out the fan fiction or, or you know, whatever. It's patreon.com slash belated binge. Anyways, back to the show. You didn't probably need to know all that about my childhood. Uh, I, I'm just saying that I, as I reflected on this episode, that the aesthetic of Jax 
was like it just struck me as like i wanted to that that's that was my aspiration uh back in the day obviously if you're watching on youtube i i don't i charlie hunnam zach from the podcast to charlie hunnam zach from the podcast the two don't they're not equating uh in any way anyways uh clay and Jax have a little one-on-one and clay wants to make sure that Jax is actually capable of dealing with opie's betrayal if it's actually true and this is obviously your first glimpse into clay may not believe the whole atf's trying to make him look like a rat thing that he started with already and Jax's response in this moment is he says he would kill him himself and i think in this moment you believe him but as we all know and as we all knew before we even got to this next scene that we're going to talk about Obi hasn't flipped. Turns out he's in an interrogation room and doesn't even know where his family is. It's a WITSEC facility. He's not being charged with a crime. And she's holding him by her account, Agent Stahl, by the way, for his own safety. Because she's set him up to look like a rat. And as we know, it's working. Stall is a giant capital C word in this show. And this is the kind of shit that makes you want to lay her face on the pavement right under your back tire and do a fucking burnout. We all want to be Otto in this moment and just smash this bitch's face again. Uh, She also won't give him a lawyer. And this is the dirty shit that, like, even Hale is starting to realize he's had his face in the wrong area. Let's just leave it at that. My notes are a little more vulgar, but I'm going to clean it up for this uh, recording episode. Uh, She claims that this isn't personal, but it is. And she plays Hale right out of the room. I guess he's just lucky he's not in a cell right next to Unser. Putting him in jail... Literally took Unser's office and stuck him in a jail cell. (laughs) Anyway, uh, before we get to that, Jax is with Abel at the hospital, and we've got a Wendy reunion time uh, brewing here. Yay! I guess. I mean, not really that yay. Kind of yay. She's not tweaking, which is good. Uh, She also lies and then takes it back like he's going to be mad that she's there you know, something, of course he's not, like, why would he be mad, because he's a normal fucking human, but, like, for now, um, for now, rewatchers, remember this moment, because it's not always this cordial, as we know, uh, first timers, we're gonna go on a, a journey, uh, of course, while all this is happening, the, the intimacy, uh, around Abel, between Jax and Wendy. Let's call it that, because it's what it is. Tara has to see it, and so does Gemma, because Gemma sees everything. Cue drama. Hale finds the real witness, and as soon as he does, Stahl bids him 
farewell and has him removed from the case, the justice facility, and Hale is just out of there, guessing they're not going to catch up later. I'm guessing. And here's the drama that we needed back at the... Ugh. Sorry, not my favorite part of the episode, but we've got Gemma confronting Jax about Wendy being with Abel. Gemma offers Jax's house to Wendy, and it doesn't make any sense. Jax knows this, and he calls her on the bullshit, and this is her wheels spinning. She wants to put Tara and Wendy against each other. My guess is that she wants Tara gone and would rather Jax be with Wendy because Gemma feels like she has the power to control Wendy, and she doesn't feel that about Tara. I think Gemma is threatened by Tara. She wants to be the most important woman in Jax's life, and she doesn't want him to get with somebody who's actually successful and see that there might be another way of life that's perhaps a little safer and more enjoyable than dodging bullets and dying young and bloody and maybe actually seeing your children grow up. That's Gemma's nightmare. <laughs> and Wendy isn't luring Jax anywhere. At this point, Wendy would worship Jax if he'd have her, and Tara could take him away. Take him, take away her precious boy. She does have one thing right, though. Opie isn't a fucking rat. Back at the Justice facility, Donna's not having a good time. Stahl is grilling her. She gives it back for a second, and she starts falling apart pretty quickly when she realizes that Opie is a pig for slaughter. And more, Jax and Opie are the best of friends, told to us by someone else, and all of that. But at least she gets to see Opie, which is nice. They didn't keep them, like, isolated the whole time. Just up until we needed them on camera, I guess. Uh, Obi doesn't tell her shit, just like he always doesn't tell her shit. She's seriously considering Witzek. Opie's not having it. I, I also wonder where he got his statistics on Witzek. How much research did he did he do on this? But Donna, to her credit, sticks with him, and that turns out. Well, we'll get there. Bobby is not getting the same treatment as Donna and Opie. He's getting the bluff of a lifetime. Almost like she was handed the plot in the script. Seriously. Blank paper, but she's able to recount literally the exact specifics of everything that took place, down to the fact that Jax was their getaway driver. Like... Have I said plot convenience on this show before? Ever? Has that come out of my mouth? Potentially? Because that's what this feels like. And now Mary's showing up for the grandkids, and she's just a ray of sunshine. Also, ironically, she might be the only logical person in the whole fucking building. She's just not particularly nice about it. 
uh Gemma and Wendy I I don't have much to say with this interaction this exchange Gemma's the anarchy that's all really she's playing puppet master she's like a white trash Albus Dumbledore except she isn't as smart and he's not as pretty Wendy is definitely just as confused as Harry is though that's that all aligns Opie and Donna are walking out arm in arm, and Stahl is grasping at literally anything she can because she doesn't have shit. And I think she's a little panicked, to be honest. Um, good on Donna, though, for now. Um, the way that she has her exit, you know, her mic drop moment, um, it's, it's very, it reflects very positively on her character. Maybe not on uh, upcoming. Anyways, uh, Stahl now has Opie bugged, and she's, <laughs> yeah, she set him up as a rat and put trackers on him. She's literally giving him a death sentence, and she threw a Hail Mary, Mr. Target, and it's about to get fucking ugly. So here we go. Opie wants to come in and explain what's going on, and Clay promises Jax that he doesn't need to worry. Opie's going to get a, uh open dialogue, uh, an open mind, and the opportunity to come in and say, what, what the fuck? Uh, and then Clay goes to the lawyer with his Tiggy boy. And Tig is absolutely convinced. That Opie's a rat. Big shock. He's only been screaming that this entire episode. And Clay isn't convinced at first. But he gets there pretty fucking quick when the lawyer plants the seed that Opie's coming back to collect more evidence. Like, maybe he would show back up to the club. Bugged. Perhaps. Maybe. You're seeing... You're seeing where this is going, right? Here's a problem that I have. Obi driving the truck to the clubhouse, not riding to the clubhouse. That's, I mean, that's a choice he just wouldn't make. Um, and this really bothered me because I thought he was only doing it so that Tig could find the bug. Um, but then I rewatched again, and the ATF dude did say he bugged the bike too. So it would, we could still have this stuff all play out, but I still don't get it. Um, but at least it isn't just blatantly plot smithed. I guess. Um, can I ask, though, why hasn't Opie considered that he's been bugged? You know, he's been to prison. He knows she set him up to be a rat. Why wouldn't he even think that she would also have him bugged when his stuff was in her possession that whole time that he and his family were at the Department of Justice or whatever, that facility? It never, never crossed his mind. No? Okay. Showtime! The one time we see them lock away the phones so that we can get them checked for bugs, of course. Uh, Opie explains himself. He tells the truth. But, of course, Tig finds the bug in his truck because that's why it's there and in the phone. And Clay should absolutely get an Oscar for his performance because he's a lying sack of shit in this whole exchange. 
Tiggy boy, he's getting off on the idea of killing Opie, and Clay gives him the green light behind the club's back. More amazing leadership out of Clay here. Jax knows this shit's fucked and trusts no one, especially Tig, and he's right not to trust these idiots. They believe that a brother who was set up by the government turned on them because the bugs they found were in his truck and his phone, neither of which would be present on him in the meeting and everyone would know that. Sure, I guess you could argue that his plan wouldn't be to record a meeting, it would be to record something inconspicuous later, sure, but still, dudes that are wired in TV shows intentionally are wired on their chest, in their crotch, like, they've got thing, they've got something hidden away, it's on them. On them. It's not their car or their cell phone. That's just not typically how that works in TV shows. Um, and, you know, that's probably what these... I, I just, I don't know. I'm... As you can see... Uh, I am not a super big fan. Because that's it, by the way. That's the episode. I absolutely hate this episode. Um, not necessarily because I think it's bad. Um, it's, I, I absolutely hate it because of the impact that it has on the story. I also think that there's a lot of plot convenience, but mo the, most of my displeasure with the episode is in the characters, which means they did their jobs as actors and actresses. I hate Stahl. She played this so incredibly dirty, but perfectly for what she's trying to do. I hate Tig, and he's a completely insufferable jackass this entire episode, compounding on how big of a douchebag he's been this entire season. I hate Clay, who makes the call to kill a brother behind the back of everyone under his leadership. We've seen he's not always the best decision maker with the gavel, but this coming after the lies we know he and Gemma are covering up from the old Bones episode, you start to get the sense that he hasn't always, you know, been a club first kind of guy. And, you know, plot convenience mixed in. Uh, whatever. Like I said, my hatred for this episode is is primarily geared at the characters, not so much in the execution. Um, that's what you want in great TV. And all I can say is, this is also on Opie. Opie has been the silent stoic type, not letting anyone know what's going on, really. Um, he's been making bad decisions for the wrong reasons. He's he's never been even close to honest with Donna, which was the underlying cause of all of this. He put himself and his family in a vulnerable position, and he's going to pay for it dearly and that sucks because i've really taken an interest in opie during this rewatch in a way i never did before i've connected more with him this time around than ever watching this show probably because i'm also a father and a husband and i can only imagine the difficulty of the position that he's in if this was real life but his actions in the last couple of episodes have put him in this spot and it sucks he was building up to be such a lovable character for me, and I don't like seeing that fall apart. But that's as much as I'm going to say for now. We have first-timers listening to this after all, 
if you're still here, it means you're a serious fan of Sons of Anarchy and the podcast. So uh, I will remind you again of that uh, sequel fan fiction that I started writing and have read six chapters of for Patreon. Patreon.com slash belated binge bonus binge squad members can get those episodes and there is a free trial available. I know I said this once before on this episode, but I'm saying it again. Before we go, let's rewrite Sons of Anarchy. One small change to each episode at a time. For this episode, it's pretty simple. What if Agent Stahl's bluff to Bobby wasn't so spot on? Let's see what you think that would do to our episode and to our story. I will put that question on social media. You can follow at Belated Binge across, like, all of them. Uh, There's also an exclusive Facebook group for listeners of the podcast. I love to interact with you all in that group. I would love for more of you to join it so that we can talk one-on-one and on-one-on-one-on-one however many ones of people are in the group at this point. If you enjoyed the episode Rebinging Sons of Anarchy, give me a follow, leave a review on you know Apple Podcasts or whatever. Sorry, the glitch still, like I don't know when that's going to get resolved, but at the moment that this is being recorded, it's still not resolved. Um, there is, too, I will mention, a separate feed for the Sons of Anarchy binge. I'm kind of testing that out a little bit. Um, you can listen where... Uh, you're probably listening to this now, if I would guess, on the main feed that has Sons of Anarchy. It's got Harry Potter. Um, it's got the you know the Office episodes that you can scroll down to, uh, and it'll have any new ones that may or may not be in the works. Intent, maybe, possibly. Um, but also, I'm I'm just kind of testing the waters on whether uh, branching off a separate feed for just the Sons of Anarchy binge uh, has a you know, like a benefit to you. Uh, if you prefer only one of the series, uh, it may be something that I continue doing, just having essentially two places where you can hear those specific um, series episodes if you uh, would like, if that helps your podcasting experience. I'm trying uh, different things to try to deliver this to you in the way that is most beneficial to you and you like most. So, uh, just letting you know that that is out there. Um, you can, as always, visit belatedbinge.com to leave a voicemail and let me know your own thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, life is short. Buy the motorcycle. When you do, wear a helmet. Dress for the slide, not the ride. And make sure you're taking Belated Binge along for that ride.